It's safe to say that I'm a fan of the work accomplished by Collective Medical. We hosted their CEO early on during the emerging weeks of the COVID crisis. In this episode, though, we dive in a little more beyond what the company does and examine the complexities of marketing a healthcare technology in a B2B space, the long sales cycle, and how to move all the buying groups forward in unison at a hospital. We talked with Kat McDavid, Chief of External Affairs at, at Collective Medical. She's a longtime uh, tech marketing executive and, went, and a lot of focus in the healthcare sector. She talks about taking the lead and moving forward with relevance and value for the entire target team. I'm Lance Lunsford, Senior Partner at Groundswell Health, and you're listening to the Connected Hospital Podcast. Well, Kat, it's really good to get to talk to you again. We've worked together on a couple of projects before in the state of Texas and introducing collective medical technologies to uh, hospitals uh, statewide. But you have been taking over as chief marketing officer for a number of years now as at, at, at a collective. Um, why don't you just kind of in your mind, what is your elevator pitch on what collective medical technologies does? Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Lance. So Collective Medical is a care collaboration platform, and the platform uh, really sits on top of an ADT-enabled network of more than 1,000 hospitals, uh, thousands of downstream providers like primary care, skilled nursing facilities, behavioral health, substance use disorder clinics, uh, as well as a significant number of health plans. And in fact, we're engaged with every national health plan in the country. And I think that, you know, a lot of vendors will say we do care coordination, we do care collaboration. Um, I think just seeing the parties uh, that I just listed there, uh, all of those different points of care that sometimes are at odds, uh, is indicative of what we're trying to achieve, right? We're trying to achieve uh, connected healthcare at scale. Right. So, you know, that's one of the things that I think we have a really great opportunity to talk about today. You know, we, we gener- this podcast generally focuses in on technology and the integration of that technology into to the needs of hospitals specifically, but healthcare in general. Um, and and what, I, what I was really excited about talking to you about was from the marketer's perspective. So you've been, you've been chief marketing officer at Collective Medical Technologies for a while now, but in um, its first chief marketing officer, I, I believe, as the company has Correct. grown. Tell me a little bit about um, the, the struggles and challenges of, of being able to go out and have a conversation in the marketplace as a as in a marketing, uh, in a marketing tactic or marketing messages, um, this really just saturated with uh, tons and tons of innovation and mm-hmm. disruption messaging. If if that makes sense, there's not a single yes. enterprise technology that's out there that's not claiming the the moniker of those two two things. So, how how difficult <laughs> is that? <laughs> you know, I think it's. It's 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 only difficult uh, if if you can't get others to realize that it's 
that it's buzzword alphabet soup, right? Um, <laughs> and I, I can, right. I, I might give you a longer answer <laughs> than you like, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, so, sure. so you're right. I'm, I'm collective first ch uh, chief marketing officer. I am collective's first marketing person, really. Uh, the company was bootstrapped for 10 years before uh, we raised our series A, uh, which, which is good and bad, right? And I'd say definitely much more good than bad. Um, but so when I met the company, it was right before we were, um, announcing our series a and no marketing ever to speak of really i mean you know a couple people had made some sell sheets here and there but uh so i walked into what you could say is a pretty blank slate i mean we definitely had some marketing debt to clean up right uh, we had some brand confusion some abbreviation issues but um overall pretty clean slate but i had two things um, amazing things that I am extremely fortunate to have to work with at Collective, and, and that has made um, uh, the response to your question, I think, I think a lot easier. Um, I, the two things I have are I, have a, I do have a platform, I have a product that really, really, really works. Uh, and that, uh, as, as many of your listeners are, know, and as you may know, Lance, um, you know, we all joke about vaporware, right? And how, you know, we all joke about marketing vaporware and, and what that means and, you know, how everyone does it. In this case, Collective's product works, right? It, it has proven outcomes. Um, it was developed uh, need first, right? Uh, it was developed for the needs of clinicians and care teams, uh, and it works. Uh, and it's, it was built by engineers who are, are to this day heavily guided by clinicians. Uh, the other thing I have, uh, and this is where I, I really want to get to uh, your question, is I have a massively engaged user base. Uh, I have uh, care team members across the spectrum, social workers, ED doctors, um, primary care physicians, behavioral health uh, uh, clinicians, who all want to talk about collective medical and the great things they've been able to do because we've supported them. So that is marketing gold, right? Um, so when yeah, you say, yeah. how do you cut through the clutter? Um, I, I have been extremely fortunate to say when someone asks me, hey, what's collective brand voice or, you know, what, all, all that stuff. Um, you know, you can give a lot of really academic responses to that. But at the end of the day, our brand voice is our customer's voice. And there is no better, no better voice uh, than the voice of your customer. So Yeah, because um, in essence, the, the, the value of the system itself is the inputs of the information from those who are participating. And so absolutely. I guess maybe maybe explain that a little bit. I mean, you did kind of in your product pitch, but what, why is that? I mean, and is that kind of the, that's kind of a core value proposition that you guys do bring to the table? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think, and again, you know, I, I, I I, th I think I mentioned previously in our conversation uh, before we started recording, uh, I've, um, I've been a consultant in communications for healthcare technology for about 10 years, a long time. And Collective is, is uh, one of my, one of my client or was one of my clients before I fell in love. Uh, but I think it's number 74. So I've seen a lot, right? I've seen a lot of companies that, uh, that they didn't, they so, didn't have so the right. Just let get that. Let's just get that down right. 74 companies, uh, tech, healthcare technologies that, that you, you've been working with doing healthcare technology marketing. Correct. Yes. That's yes. a, that's a yeah. pretty big number, even for someone that comes from an agency consulting world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it, it, it's been a lot of fun. I've had, a, I've been very fortunate to have a lot of exposure to some very cool companies. Uh, you know, I, I don't want to sound too cynical, but you know, with with all that, you do see some some companies that you know they're they're not in it for the right reasons, right? 
And uh, I think, you know, or, yeah, uh, let's, we, we can leave it at that. But there, I mean, there are a lot of incredible healthcare technology companies out there doing really amazing things, and Collective certainly is one of them. Um, but uh, yeah, one, one of the most useful uh, marketing assets that you can have uh, is is uh, for your buyers, right? Uh, that peer to peer connection uh, and a peer to peer reference. I, I think it's one of the most credible things that you can you can possibly have in um, in your go to market plans and and uh and in your bag uh so uh yeah we've been very fortunate that because we have um such a unique mix of users that um that the way you can tell that story about collaborative care it it it, it just comes out right um you know we i think if you look at any of our press uh any of our uh any of our marketing materials that are public on on the web or anything like that you'll see that in most cases, we're we are telling the story, or or a clinician is telling the story themselves um, in an article or a case study or something like that about how uh, they use collective and how they use it to benefit patients and, and outcomes. Well, I think that that would be a good place to start because I definitely want to talk talk to that point you you made about some of the healthcare technology that's out there that, as you said, are are kind of in it to for the wrong reasons and. I don't want to uh, speculate, but I want to talk about it. But but first, why don't you walk us through kind of the the way the system works and and really, you know, anecdotally, but then more case specific. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, Collective was founded by um, like I like I think I mentioned two engineering students at BYU, and their mother, uh, uh, one of their mothers, is an ED social worker. So, uh, as the story goes, as the fable goes, she came down to visit one weekend and told them that she needed a computer program uh, to help her coordinate some uh, a cohort of patients with patterns of high utilization. Uh, and this was she was working at a hospital in Idaho and and just really coordinating manually with um, various uh, colleagues at other hospitals to to try to get these people the care they needed right and um, and so that's how the company started and it, it really started focused on the emergency department just um, being able to share information about patients that that had maybe um, specific needs that were not being addressed uh, in a, in a high paced uh, emergency department, that information wasn't easily shared from EHRs or EMRs. And uh, it really uh, developed into a, uh, I, I say simple, but it's kind of elegant in its simplicity, a uh, system that sends notifications to um, providers that have a, a TPO relationship, or not just providers, but care teams in general, uh, on a patient and, and lets them know if there's relevant clinical information that can help them make better care decisions, right? Um, and, and I can give you an example of what that means, because I know that's uh, a little bit nebulous. And, and to your point earlier about how you cut through the clutter, I think patient stories, like I'm about to tell you, uh, can be really impactful and help illustrate that. So um, an example of how Collective works today, it's extended much, much more beyond the emergency department uh, and now, like I mentioned, is in all points of care. So this is a story out of uh, the Boston area. Um, MassHealth has a, uh, a Medicaid ACO program now, um, and I can explain all that if, if you need it, but uh, they have uh, also really noted the impact that behavioral health uh, conditions can have on on patients and and making sure that they get the care they need. Uh, there's a big push, as you all know, uh, about um, integrating physical and behavioral health 
And so, you know, I applaud Massachusetts for that approach. Um, but as part of that program, they have uh, community partners, which uh, include behavioral health practices uh, to help coordinate the care um, of some of the MassHealth members, uh, which is a Medicaid plan. And um, this story is, is about a patient who um, was assigned to one of these community partners. And, uh, and he had a, a significant history of substance use disorder. And uh, because he was currently homeless, there was really no way to reach him, right? The, the, his phone number was, was out of date. He didn't have a physical address anymore, or the one that was on file was wrong. Um, a lot of data that, um, that, these, that the care teams would get, it was 90 days out of, out of date because of the way claims data is processed and delivered. So um, the community partners, uh, this behavioral health clinic, had no way to contact this person and really give him the care that he needed and support him. So um, they, they were connected to uh, to collective, got on our network, and I think um, most of the hospitals in Massachusetts currently are. Uh, and, um, you know, they had, they had him in the system as a, as a patient on their panel. And uh, they were unable to find this, this person for, I think, months. And he presented at an ED, uh, an emergency department in Boston. And um, what happened was the, um, the caseworker at the, at the clinic saw that he was there. Uh, she drove over to the, to the emergency department, talked to the social worker there, and together they were able to um, get him into various programs, get his consent to get him into various programs that could help him. And, uh, and for the first time now, um, he is in, um, in a program for his substance use disorder and, and he has secured housing. So, um, you know, it's just, it's simple things like that. It's simple notification that someone is where they are um, that was able to happen despite him not having a phone number on file or a physical address. Um, and the coordination that was able to happen because of that. So that's, um, that, that's a long, longer patient story about um, what Collective does with a, with a more unique use case. Sure. No, and I think that that's an important clarification for just in general of, of, um, of, of, of how that care coordination can work. And again, you know, you do have this process where the team is, is ba basically able to use coordination just through technology and not actually having to do more work, um, but then taking over in a manual way that does have them where they can physically, you know, drive across town and go uh, have a have an interaction to do a to to kind of uh, disrupt basically what would have otherwise probably been a a, a pretty significant or a pretty bad outcome. Uh, and again, so. I think the the opportunity there and being able to express it and being able to put that into a patient story as you indicated is important. How do you how do we you know uh, you know for those folks that are in technology that do believe that they've they've developed a great solution for you know every hospital in the country of of course as you are are you know designing your your technology your product it becomes kind of you you get a tunnel vision around what it is that you're going to be producing and bringing to the table um you know from a from a perspective that you have uh in taking really good ideas to market you know what is it what is it that those people that are innovating and doing design work behind the scenes that haven't brought their product to market yet what is it that they need to do in advance of actually developing their company or their product and launching it to, to stress test their solution Mm, well, uh, the, the first I'll say, and I will say with 
great passion uh, that the best product never wins. <laughs> and that's me with uh, yeah. with both my consulting hat on and uh, and and just uh, you know being a consumer right every day. And I think it, it's especially true in healthcare. Uh, I'd say to someone who's who hasn't quite launched yet, even even someone that has right, if if um, if, if they're newer to healthcare or they're newer to kind of overall go to market really and understanding their buyer journey, uh, is is to you know, this is classic product marketing, but three three questions. Is the problem urgent? Is it pervasive? And is there willingness to buy a solution to solve it, right? And I think a lot of companies uh, in our space especially get very caught up with, this is a really cool thing and it can do this thing. And, and that's going to be great. Why wouldn't someone want this? Why wouldn't someone want to save money? Why wouldn't someone want to improve outcomes on a specific uh, disease case or whatever like that? But the truth is, is that healthcare, especially healthcare, is, is actually a very regulated industry. And so, you know, while we are less regulated, uh, in my opinion, than something like pharma, um, there's still a lot of regulatory drivers and, and sometimes that can create barriers for innovations to get to market, right? And, um, you know, I, I would say before you launch, before you put out a press release and before you develop collateral and all that, you really need to look and see um, not just does someone want to use your product, because, yeah, pe- people are going to want to use something. Is there a willingness to buy it? And that means you have to look not just at your potential user, but at your buyer, and I think that that can be a big disconnect, especially for health system marketing, hospital marketing. Uh, you know, your user is, is very rarely also your buyer. And if you haven't mapped out that journey, if you haven't talked to, um, talked to those buyers and users in hospitals, you are going to have a rough time. You're going to have a rough time and it's going to be frustrating. And, you know, if you're lucky, you'll have some spirit guides at various hospitals who can, who can guide you along uh, for how that process might work. But otherwise, it's going to be frustrating. Yeah. Um, and, and when you talk about that buyer and I, from a hospital side, and again, um, you know, a lot of the people that we're, we're talking to that's in our audience are those, uh, you know, prospective buyers. Um, you know, how important is it that you take a look in developing that roadmap and considering the perspective of each of them based on their role? So, you know, when we when we take products to market and, and start promoting a market, then we really consider the perspective of, of each of the the individuals, no matter who they are in the leadership, because they're going to have some influence in the buying process. So if it's a CFO, there's a message that's built for that CFO. If there's a COO who's probably going to be at the forefront of a buying decision on a product like yours, we consider what they need to know and develop and customize our core value proposition messaging to them. You know, is that something that you know a traditional agency, a marketing agency, is really going to be bringing to the table for a, a a healthcare specific technology. Uh, when you say traditional agency, I, you you may be getting to one of one of my passion points. Uh, you may be, I may be misunderstanding your question. I think but, I may be. Um, I think I may be. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm really trying to play into that because I think, <laughs> I think that you can't take a cookie cutter approach to what we do in, in healthcare. You and, cannot. That is correct. You can't. You really can't. Healthcare is weird. It's hard. They're, you know, like, like I mentioned, semi-regulated, in some cases heavily regulated. 
And you can't take a traditional, um, and this, this, um, this is probably my bias speaking as well, just coming from where, where I'm come from, where I've always been in healthcare technology, but you cannot take the traditional marketing approach of a SaaS tech company and apply it to the healthcare industry. You just cannot. There, there is a graveyard full of companies that have tried that, right? Um, you absolutely need people who understand the industry. You understand people, you need people that understand, um, those buyer personas that you mentioned. That is critical. Uh, I, I have worked with, in fact, I have outseated many, 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 um, agencies that were traditional tech or just traditional whatever, you know, just a, one of those broad based agencies, um, because, uh, my team and I, we were able to walk into the room with the leadership team, um, and immediately understand where they're coming from, what they were trying to do, and the dynamics associated with it. I mean, healthcare is, it truly is hard. It, it is very difficult uh, to just walk into it and, and have immediate impact. Yeah, and I, and I think, you know, uh, when, when, you're, when you're working with folks, you can, when you have truly someone that's, that's interested in um, collaborating to develop a tactic, you're able to, to really build out a full strategy. But how, how many times do people come up, because you, you, as a marketer, you deal with really smart folks, you know, uh, as a, uh, you're either working with a physician or with someone that, you know, in your case, your CEO is someone that has a really uh, amazing pedigree in the consulting, um, the professional consulting, and we're talking about mm-hmm. significant consulting world. Um, but you're talking with folks that are incredibly intelligent and oftentimes they bring their own opinion on what marketing is to the table. Um, how, how do you suggest um, people that are designing and implementing products to bring to market for hospitals and healthcare, how do you suggest they approach the marketing team to get the most out of them? Um, yeah, so I mean, first I'll say, I mean, I can I can tell a little bit of a story here. They're supposed to be conversational, right? Um, but yeah, I, I, you know, our CEO exactly, for sure. Total, yeah, he's he's a total badass, right? He is super impressive, great resume, quick intellect, uh, and you know, I think uh, you know we have we have the good fortune of of having similar work styles. Uh, yeah, so in, in a lot of cases, uh, marketing, especially when it comes on late to a company, and this is, this is me speaking from consulting experience, um, can kind of be seen as the redheaded stepchild, right? It's, it's almost something that, um, is an afterthought. And I, I think that, you know, typically doesn't go very well, right? Because how you present yourself to the industry is, you know, really how people know you. So if it's an afterthought, you look like an afterthought. Um, I'd say, you know, to your question about, um, you know, how, how do you, how would I counsel leadership on approaching marketing? Oh, no, no, that is the wrong question. It's how do you as a marketing leader, a marketing team, approach your, your leadership team and, and tell them where they need to go? Uh, you know, especially if, if uh, you're fortunate as a company to work with a healthcare technology specific agency or um, consultants that have very specific experience with, with our industry, um, I think that is, that is kind of the, the key to success is you know a lot, you've seen a lot go down, uh, you've worked with a lot of different technologies and a lot of different problems. And 
it, it's almost like you do a disservice uh, to your leadership team or your client or, or whoever it might be if you kind of wait for them to come to you because um, good marketers are going to lead the way and, and tell, tell their colleagues and, and tell their clients where they need to go to be successful. Um, that's a that really, sense. that's a really good point. No, I think it does. I think for somehow along the way, there's been this process where marketing has become a catch-all word for advertising and cool. It, it's become a catch-all right. word for what is actually pr- promotions. And so, um, you know, I've, I've, I think no matter what, you go to any kind of marketing conference, whether it's healthcare or something broad, some, something broader. There's always this this conference agenda item that is getting the attention of the C how to get the attention of the C suite for your your marketing and communications program and every single one without fail, and that's because I think because to your point that a lot of the communications and marketing folks, especially in healthcare, haven't come from a traditional business background. They're not hospitals haven't been hiring a lot of MBAs that specialize in in actual marketing strategy that as much as they have taken the person from like a, a news or public relations environment and put them into a marketing role. Um, and so I, I think the, the, the distinct distinction that you make is, you know, developing trust with that team starts first with the leadership team from a marketing perspective it starts with someone who can in, insert themselves into a process to show what marketing actually is. And that is perspective on price position in the marketplace um, and then and then start discussion discussing aspects of the promotion and the quote unquote fun parts of putting an ad together and yet though right, yet right. to find the fun part of putting an ad together right I love that i uh... I I, uh, I often get frustrated, uh, less so now, you know, because I'm 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 working for Collective and and not in the agency world anymore. But uh, I, I yeah, we'll assume that in. you're talking about uh, we'll assume that you're talking about a broader broader yeah, yeah, of, yeah, uh, yeah. technology in your yeah, current yeah. employee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, you know, I've I've vetted a lot of meetings, newer clients, or um, you know, whatever it might be, where uh, you know leading like a real in-depth positioning discussion, which by the way, we should talk about because positioning is like the most underrated uh, activity in marketing for, I think, very new startups, right? I think they skip that step and it, it does a lot of harm. But, um, you know, all these meetings we're talking about, like go to market strategy and then someone will look at the marketer and say, uh, yeah, and you know, we're going to need, we're going to need a PowerPoint or, you know, we're going to need yeah, a oh, you think? It's like, for real, yeah. like, are we, are we there yet? What, what, what do we, yeah. <laughs> right. We'll you put know, that on the to-do list. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it just goes so tactical so quickly. And, and, and that's what I mean about uh, my previous comment about really stepping up and, and leading the way. Right. And, and not just giving the marketing perspective, but like, you know, when you're so specific on an industry like health tech, like you have a lot to bring to the table. Um, but yeah, the, it, it, it's, it, I think it's kind of like the embattled marketing teams of growth stage companies where um, maybe the company made the decision not to invest in a strong agency or um, in, a, in a strong marketing leader. And, and that team really just becomes uh, a shared service, right? They become uh, production shops and it's it's just it's 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 a sad state of affairs, right? Because you can say, yeah, make me an ad, like make me a catchy ad headline. It doesn't matter, right? If you don't have everything else in place, if there's no strategy, if there's nothing like really putting the pieces together, you know, it's just a bunch of wasted money and mush. 
Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that that, that kind of leads to my next point I, that you had hit on earlier, but when, it, you know, I don't see it as often now, but I would say definitely, uh, you know, 10, 10 or 12 years ago, I was seeing a lot of people who had achieved their, um, their technology bona fides and other, um, in other very successful startups that had turned into, you know, a 10x acquisition, um, and and they have they have since gone out to develop their next technology, and they really want to go get into the the healthcare space. Well, a right. lot of times, what we were seeing then was someone that was designing um, designing a, a solution, but they hadn't yet examined whether that there was actually a healthcare problem yet. They were wanting to take right. what they they knew worked elsewhere. Because they would say, you know, this is a ten billion dollar whatever market, and they just wanted to get a small right. slice of that. Yeah, this is, that this is the TAM, therefore. Ah, right. <laughs> this yes. is like right. one of one of my favorite rants. Yeah, you know, I, there are, and, and not all of them are are going to fail. Not all of them have failed, and and many of these these tech entrepreneurs, again, when when they're going to their next thing and they and they see opportunity in healthcare, actually do make huge impact, right? They they hire the right teams around them, they hire experts, they they hire clinicians to help advise or or whatever, right? They 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 do the right thing, but there are a lot of them that do not. Um and 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 that's the thing. It's <laughs> you say, oh this this the the TAM is bazillions of dollars. Well cool. Um that does not mean that it works that way in healthcare, right? It does not mean that a consumer technology or a business, even a business to business technology is, is going to, or that template is going to apply to healthcare. Um, and part of that is, is because of the pseudo regulatory environment we're in, right? And, and how that really does kind of affect an incentive to buy. Um, but the other side of that is, you know, the, the, the mantra, mantra of uh, technology companies is, you know, move fast and break things or whatever. I think that was Facebook. I can't remember. Um, and I think that yeah, yeah, I'm going to be bad with that mentality. No, it is that. That is not. You should not be doing that in right. healthcare. If you move fast and break things in healthcare, you you could potentially be killing people, right? right. That is that is right. not something that you should be taking when when we're approaching patient care. Um, so even the revenue cycle, I, I, right? No, right? I, even the I revenue cycle. You break good. something there claims data, all that stuff is used for care coordination across the country, right? You mess something up there, you are messing with people's lives. And that is absolutely unacceptable. So I think that this is a point that I make quite often when we get frustrated about how long the sales cycle is in a acquisition of a technology in healthcare. And people will kind of point the finger and say, well, you know, I think that there was a the closing speaker at ShushMed this year was talking about how healthcare is not designed to be an innovation, um, you know, industry, innovative industry, which is ironic considering the innovations that do exist within it. But I think that the point is is that's missed often, and I think we should embrace it. Is the reason that 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 sales cycle is slow moving is because we are not Silicon Valley, and so you don't have kind of the herd mentality on innovation inside healthcare that you have in some of those other marketplaces, especially with, you know, investor mentalities where, well, because, because this investor group invested in it, I'm going to invest in it. Next thing you know, you have this overvalued technology that isn't necessarily a solution. And when you do that in healthcare, and assuming there's a solution in place to your point, and this is, I say the exact same thing is that, 
people die. And that's the difference. These health, these doctors, their oath carries over into the leadership of the mission of these organizations. And so mm-hmm. they fully vet to make sure that these solutions are in place. And that's, that's kind of the reason for the the slow adoption. And I do think it is genetic. It's designed genetically into the, the beha- buying behavior of, of the hospitals and health systems. And, and so my question, I guess, is do you think that it's even more so now that we've had 10 years of M&A activity that's consolidated the market and, and, and how, because that, that's, that buying behaviors would be so much more centralized now with a hand, a smaller handful of, of, uh, of decision makers at larger systems, you know, how, how mm-hmm. should innovators and technology designers adjust for that? Yeah, I mean, that's another thing that's really interesting about our industry, and that can be hard to swallow, right? Uh, even even uh, marketers and, and sales leaders that uh, say, you know, or adhere to more of account account based marketing, right? Just that. It, it's just different in healthcare, and um, we have what 5,500 hospitals in the U.S. And really, you have a very small, much smaller pool of buyers uh, because of consolidation. So, um, you know, you, you, these smaller independent hospitals certainly still can buy their own technologies, but large systems often, often that buying power is centralized. And and the other thing that, that I, I know is, is something funny we always would say in, in biotech and pharma, um, but say absolutely in healthcare technology as well, is that you've seen one hospital, you've seen one hospital, right? Um, and that's right. why, you know, buyer persona mapping, user persona mapping is so useful, um, is that, you know, you may be at one hospital system where the CIO is the absolute buyer, right? Um, and, and they're both buyer blocker. And you might be in another one the next day where, um, you know, the, the CNO is, is the one that's, that's signing the stuff, right? It's, it just, it, it depends regionally. It, it depends on the system and you have to be prepared and really understand the mapping and, and who the right, who the right personas are for what. And, and to your point earlier, Lance, about making sure that, um, the messaging is right and the value props are distinct for each of those personas. Uh, if you've done that work, you can handle that kind of uh, chaotic environment, right? Where, where you know, your templates, you don't have a template, right? It's different everywhere you go. Um, the other thing I'll say about the, the consolidation and, um, and smaller number of buyers that we have in healthcare, especially on the provider side, uh, is that you can't screw up, right? You, you can't send out a, a bunch of stupid email blasts that don't make sense or where you haven't done your research. Um, and piss off the whole market, right? Because people talk, so remember, there aren't that many of them. Um, and, and it is really a relationship-based industry where everybody knows everybody, and credibility is king. Yeah. So, you know, with that, you know, speaking of credibility and, and trying to establish it, how much does, uh, you know, the earned media side, and, and for those folks that, that, that don't have the marketing speak, but the news side and generating uh, attention through the earned media uh, or through the media, mm-hmm. uh, trade publications, news, how much of, of their work is, is made more difficult these days because there is kind of the, uh, there's the what I call kind of the innovation or tech cheerleading squad that uh, exists when you put out a press release. 
<laughs> yeah, no, it's it's pretty intense. I, I know our trade media, especially, um, well, first of all, there's been a lot of consolidation in, in the trade media, right, for healthcare technology. Um, there are some new some new outlets that show up here and there that, that have been um, very successful, but things are changing quite a bit. So you really have to keep an eye on it. Um, I, I know we have a couple really, really awesome veteran reporters of the industry who, uh, you know, yeah. back when I was consulting and uh, I, I would have a newer client and I'd get them on the phone. And um, these, man, these reporters, it's it's kind of awesome in retrospect to think about it, would just stop them and say, can you please say that again without all the buzzwords? Like, can can you just do that again? <laughs> Right. And, uh, you know, obviously a little bit embarrassing, but um, but right. usually um, for a good outcome. But I think a lot of them are used to it to the point where, you know, it, it, they don't even eye roll anymore. They just cut. They just cut to the chase. Right. Um, now, I will say that I think that earned media is outrageously powerful. Uh, and it's one of the first things that we tackled while when I came to Collective. Um, and that was, again, because I had that wonderful, wonderful group of engaged users that, that were willing to speak on our behalf to the media. Um, it, it's one of the, if, if you have a team or a consultant or an agency that understands earned media, uh, that is incredibly powerful. And it's also very cost effective. I think where it becomes expensive is if you, um, if you do hire a more general agency that doesn't understand, because it is hard to pitch amazing rah-rah cheerleader news to an industry healthcare tech reporter um, if you don't understand the industry, because yeah. they sure do. <laughs> They're going to know it better. Yeah. They're going to know it better than Absolutely. that agency. Yeah. Oh, Absolutely. And, and, that, and you know, the credibility. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. I was saying that the credibility factor of earned media is, is you know, off the charts, right? You, not Not only... Um, did you do something cool? Like, did, you know, in our case, did a did a hospital achieve some massive reduction in readmission? Um, that you know, we found that out, and and they have the data, and and they want to tell the story. But um, but someone else has validated that, and and are publishing it, and and spreading it out to the world, right? They think it's worth their readers' time, and guess what? Their readers are your targets. So it's if if you have the right stuff uh, to do earned media, then you know, massively powerful. So what would you tell, you know, if you, you, you are either back in your, your uh, consulting role or you're talking to another uh, emerging technology, uh, you know, we, we have these, you know, speaking of buzzwords, we have these very consumable buzzwords, especially in healthcare now in the technology space where we're talking about either AI or blockchain. Um, as you, blockchain is my as you, favorite. Yeah. Well, and you know, I've I've worked with a couple of them, and you know, I'm I'm careful to, with with uh, those that I do work with to ensure that they are you know actually going to fit one of those models. But what would you do if you were to to uh, to advise them? What would be the one thing that you would advise them in articulating their program or their product uh, to 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 help them rise above the the chatter? Yeah. So, so first, I, I would. I mean, this this might be a little bit more 
consulty consulty, but um, I would encourage them to go through a formal messaging exercise. And and by that I mean, are you, are you looking at competitors in the space? Looking looking even at the hype cycle, like where where are they on the hype cycle? Um, and and then looking at and and this this goes back to earned media and credibility and and having um, and having uh, you know uh, hospitals on your side is uh, if you're fortunate enough, and again, this might be something that a, that a really strong agency can help you with or a strong consultant, um, to find a hospital partner uh, that is willing to uh, try your product, right? Uh, uh, that will be able to validate that it works or give you good feedback that it's not working. Um, and even right. bouncing messaging off them as well. I think that um, really sitting down, and and this is what I, I still tell startups this this thing this stuff to to this day. Uh, you know when I meet them at events or whatever, you have to spend the time. And it, you know startups are fast and crazy and awesome, and you're working till three a.m. and it's you know it's fun. Um, you have to take the time to sit down uh, with the right people at your company and any partners that you have, and you have to really hash out the messaging. You have to throw rocks at it. You have to hurt each other's feelings a little bit. There might be some tears. There might be some yelling. Um, but you know, not all the not all ideas are good ideas. Uh, and and spend the time, preferably with someone who has done it before, right? Um, it's really difficult to run your own messaging exercise if you haven't done it before. Uh, and, right. and also that, that ensures that if you're willing to hire someone to help you do that, um, it also ensures that the leadership team is bought in, right? Because if you're willing to spend some money, it means that you want to get something out of your investment. You've already decided that it's something that you think is meaningful. So that is definitely step number one, plan, messaging, positioning, uh, you will regret just going straight out and, and getting beaten up. Right. And, and I think, you know, that's something that you have to do with purpose, not if you are the – and you have to manufacture it if you're the marketing uh, leadership and you're not getting it out of other leadership, but it's certainly something that you have to make a purposeful part of your product development even if you're – you know, the chief engineer, if you're the CEO, uh, making sure that that's done and, and done in a way with purposeful leadership um, and, and, and making it part of the overall uh, approach to before you go to market, I would I would presume. Yeah, absolutely. I agree 100 percent. Yep. Well, I think that there's going to be a lot of things that that, uh, you know, we, we see with uh, technology emerge in the next five years as we do see kind of this first round of quote unquote AI companies come online and then fail and, mm. and come back later on. And, and uh, the same with blockchain um, for predictive analytics there for a while, that was kind of the, the other buzzword. Yeah. Yep. I think that as, as in all things, as they, you know, achieve the top of the loop of that cycle and start to come down, uh, many of them will return to go work on their product a little more and then bring it back. But while we're waiting on that uh, over the next several years, hopefully fewer EM, hopefully the EMRs have gotten their act together and they won't take more revenue cycle systems offline the way you mentioned um, and uh, um, debilitate hospitals. But what, what else is there in the next um, five years that you expect to be kind of the op big opportunity for companies like Collective Medical? Yeah, so I think you know in the next in the next five years, there's, I mean, honestly, 
I feel like healthcare is so massively chaotic, which is great, right? I, I think if, if you're the type of person that's into that, uh, it's great for you. Obviously, I've been around for a while, so I'm into that. But I think, um, you know, we have a number of new regulations that are being developed by CMS and the ONC. And uh, I think that is going to shift um, the industry toward information sharing in a way that we haven't seen before. Um, and, and I'm sorry if I'm I'm talking about uh, uh, policy and stuff too much, but, you know, it really does affect the way we do business. Um, the, the ONC has, is coming out with some final rules on information sharing and information blocking uh, that, you know, historically there's been so much talk uh, and drama uh, about uh, EHR is not sharing information well. We've seen kind of the rise of... Um, uh, national networks like the Commonwealth uh, Care Alliance, Commonwealth Health Alliance, uh, the Sequoia Project, um, Care Quality. A lot of a lot of these uh, multi-vendor associations, right? Um, that that really are dedicated to interoperability um, and making patient data flow for re- really the benefit of patients and 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 everyone, right? Um, the costs associated with information blocking and um, with lack of interoperability are astronomical. And, uh, and companies like Collective that, that have uh, really focused more on, okay, um, you know, data data is, is great and, and we need data, but how do we make it meaningful? I think we'll only have incredible opportunity moving forward with those rules and, and the momentum that the industry has right now. So, um, you know, things like you know, you know, aside from collective, um, things like AI, machine learning, all that exciting stuff. I think, um, you know, the interesting thing about those, even blockchain, is they aren't necessarily categories, right, uh, in our industry. They're, they're more, they're enabling technologies to do something really cool. Um, so an AI company um, that's doing stuff for the the revenue cycle. Um, you know, you know, we bucket that. I think we'll eventually see them bucketed into revenue cycle, and and that will become more commonplace. I think now it's very exciting, right? People are just really understanding what things like or what technologies like AI can do for us um, and do for patient care and and really lots of other things in the healthcare industry. So. I mean, I think I think it's gonna be very cool. I'm really excited this year uh, to see how these regulations, it's um, the CMS and ONC uh, provisions of the 21st Century Cures Rules uh, or Cures Act, will will really impact and shape the business. I think it's gonna be awesome. Well, good. I think that's a, a good point, a good place to stop because the uh, the last thing we want to do is to get into the fun that is uh, regulatory policy. Uh, we'll save that for the next time we talk. <laughs> that, that's, hey, let that's me know. A definite pol- yeah, that's always going to be a party, and uh, I, I think it, it, you know those around me know what kind of nightmare I've had with uh, communicating that, especially on the earned media side of it. So we'll definitely save yeah. that for another time, and the the pressure that that puts on uh, healthcare technology. So this has been good. I appreciate getting to talk with you, and thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs>